League to the English Premier League. From the man you read. To a Brazilian named Fred. Ah! From the Socceroos. To the latest round ball news. From Harry Kuehl's tattoo. To Cantona's Kung Fu. Want to hear the best world football show on the planet? Arriba! Well, stand in queue. For Hyundai Ailey. Fan made. Get behind your local club. Muchas gracias, for Diego's. Welcome, amigos. This is the Four Diego's across Australia. My name's Carlos Alberto Diego. With me today is Vinny Venezuela, Pablo Cruz, and Warren Diego. We're four blokes who love our world footy, and we want to tell you all about it. So, Vinny, what have we got on the show for listeners tonight? Thank you very much, Carlos. Well, tonight we share a special Sosombrero moment with Aussie football legend Ned Zalic, and we look at the magic of Wayne Rooney in the Manchester derby in Warren's EPL rap. Vinny talks about Pep the Great at Barcelona and the last temptation of Cesc Fabregas at Arsenal in his global scene. We talk fairy tale at heart, Andrew Raw's work of art and whether international friendlies are very, very smart and much, much more. So all you sensitive hooligans out there, hang on to your sombreros coming up. Have Raw got it all wrapped up? Pablo will tell us all about it. So stay tuned across Australia. This is the Four Diego's. Triple M. Taste the Perth glory. Hear the Brisbane Raw. For Hyundai A-League, fan made. Get behind your local club. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. You're with Carlos, Vinny, Pablo and Warren here on the Four Diego's across Australia. You can join us right here every week for your dose of world footy Diego style. Coming up, Rooney the Magnificent in the Manchester derby. But first, Pablo, what's the latest A-League news? Well, thank you very much, Carlos. Yes, on Friday night, Adelaide uh, continued their recent uh, domination of uh, Melbourne victory in front of 21,000 home fans where they uh, won two goals to one with uh, Reed and Dodd scoring and Archie Thompson Getting back on the score sheet for the victory. Great negotiation around the uh, cricket pitch there at Adelaide Oval. Yes, it took a little bit of skill, didn't it? <laughs> it's a bit of a skate ring around that place. Look, I hope they play their finals there, by the way. All they've got to do is grow the grass, and it's the best <laughs> venue in Australia. Now, uh, last night, Brisbane Raw, well done in front of a huge crowd there. 20,000 people uh, talking about the pitch. That was... Uh, that was, would have been difficult for the boys as well, but uh, they put on a bit of a clinic there. Attacking football, four great goals, flares... Records of unbeaten runs and uh, clean sheets, and uh, and they put uh, Gold Coast United to the sword. Beautiful football is uh, almost developed into the, taking the piss football, really, the way they're going at the moment. Barca, Brisbane, Pepe, Postacoglu. Absolutely. I reckon they're just playing that beautiful football at the moment. It matches Barcelona at the moment. He's the Arsene Wenger of the North, <laughs> isn't he, really? <laughs> Except he might win something. And can I say, Costa Barbarousas has oh. been sort of... He's been the exciting, exciting, one of the exciting finds of that raw squad. He sort of keeps growing and growing, and he's just always dangerous. Love we've, him. We've got to find a way to nationalise him. <laughs> Get him in the Australian colours, I reckon. Yes, that would be good. Yeah, the Russell Crowe. <laughs> Russell Crowe. We'll take him if he's good enough. And uh, look, uh, really, that's out of the way now, those other two scores, because what we really want to do yes, of course. is bask in the careers of two great Socceroos, and, uh, which came to an end last night uh, here in Melbourne, Johnny Aloisi and Josip Skoko. Serenade. Or- ornaments to the game. Icons, icons, all uh, of those things. Scores goals for fun, John Aloisi, and what a you know the fairy tale's complete. Scored again last night. What's he going to do after his uh, career to score goals for fun? I want to know what he's <laughs> going to do now as an excuse to take off his shirt. But if there was <laughs> one thing that was disappointing me last night, it was the fact that referees had a chance to prove they were human, not by giving him a yellow card when he took his shirt off, but taking their own shirts off <laughs> and actually applauding his greatness. That was a little bit of a downer for You're me. absolutely correct, Warren. What I would have liked to have seen after he did issue the yellow card was all of the Melbourne Heart players take their shirts off. 
in the you know, I'm Spartacus type of situation because <laughs> yeah. he can't go around and book 11 players. That's true. Well, Sabon was going to come back on to take his shirt off to get a third yellow to get a, an, another red just for the hell of it. Now, uh, now he may not be the greatest soccer of all time, but he's certainly the most famous soccer of all time, isn't he, John Aloisi? And I was just wondering that if, um, if all those years ago, if Gus Hiddink had have put him number one in the penalty taking order, would he be as famous, or would we, <laughs> we be sort of uh, getting all these accolades now? Well, probably not. But the story is he wanted to take the last one. He knew it was his destiny to two, and uh, what a fantastic, courageous decision it was, and uh, got us through. And he scored. In, it's not that he just uh, fluked a penalty. He scored in the World Cup two against Japan. Mm. That, that is a guaranteed free drink at any bar you go to <laughs> Australia-wide, that penalty. And Carlos does like this greatest soccer of all time debate, and mm. there's about 14 of them, according <laughs> to him. But the Aloisi, England, Italy, and Spain, you've got to think he's close to up there. And scored goals for fun everywhere, by the way, and uh, still continue to break records in this last year's uh, season. The it, last would, one there... it would be remiss not to mention Josip Skoko, because uh, he does get overshadowed at times, but he's had, also had a fantastic career and uh, and it was great for him to finish in front of his family too. Both legends of Australian football, and I know I've got about 15 of them, but uh, they are <laughs> legends of the game. Thanks very much there, Pablo Cruz. Fantastic A-League rap. Coming up, Rooney, the King of Manchester. Warren tells us all about it, so stick around. Across Australia, this is the 4 Diego's. Arriba! Triple M. Feel North Queensland's fury. Get Adelaide United for Hyundai A-League. Fan made. Go to aleague.com.au for tickets. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. If you want to get in touch with the Diego's, drop us a line at diego's at fordiegos.com. That's F-O-U-R-D-I-E-G-O-S.com. Also, join us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash fordiegos. Coming up, fans turn on Brazilian legends. Vinny will tell us all about it. But first, Warren, what's the latest EPL news? It pains me to say this, Carlos, but because I love the Diego so much, I was forced to stay up last night and watch the Sky Blue versus the Red of Manchester in a game that over the last few years has been pretty disappointing basically on the Man City side because they haven't wanted to score goals. But last night, high-tempo game. Man City probably could have scored early in the game and really set a light, but the game was lit up. What, what, but why are you pumping up that game? If it wasn't for the goal you're about to talk about, it was a, actually a sterile affair, I felt. But the little man himself, the guy who was the <laughs> one away really? and then he wanted to be, <laughs> he came through last night with it was something... Out of the flying fruit fly circus, <laughs> you would have to say, Carlos. He raised himself to fine yep. gravity. He lifted the cape. The big yep. S was on the chest. The backward vertical leap. Impossible to do. Into the where yep. the spider's web yep. is in the goals, Carlos, to win the game. And probably, and we shouldn't say this because they did lose to the Wolves last week, probably is the game that will signify them winning this title. Oh, you're joking. Apparently, he's used the same manoeuvre at Bambi's on the outskirts of Manchester United. <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, apparently there's been a spike in, in brothel business over the last uh, 24 hours. Of course, the working right. girls are really excited about what uh, Well, their mattresses done. are all being broken because everyone's doing this uh, overhead. And not just a spectacular goal, but a nice little celebration. He went to the corner and did the Nadia Comaneci. Just <laughs> yes. uh, double, double handspring into the corner and then presented himself to the crowd. Well, the last time I saw that celebration. Eric Cantona, the Christ-like celebration on the crucifixion. Uh, Wayne Rooney's probably uh, seeing himself in those terms. Now, Warren, don't get you, I won't let you get away with a comment you made there that this win over Manchester City defines Manchester United's season as the champions of the competition. No way. They lost against Wolves last week. 
Everyone's going to be beating each other. And let me just say, if it wasn't for that golf by Wayne Rudy, they were no better than Manchester City last night. And Carlos, I was going to also say, if you hadn't previously interrupted <laughs> what I was going to say, I would have said that if they do win the title, it would be the single most unimpressive win in the string that they've put together. The simple fact is that every other team chasing them refuses to put genuine pressure on them by the fact that they're just as insipid as what Manchester United are. No, it's a, it's a better league this year. Everyone's beating each other. And I like the fact that the, uh, the relegation specialists down in the bottom can actually take points off the top sides. Now, Warren, Uncle Roy's back. He's back at West Brom, Carlos. And as Pablo was saying... It should be the American president rule, I think, <laughs> as far as the Premier League managers are concerned. Once you've had two goes, there should be a written rule that you can know. You've got to go to an antipathy, like you've got to go to South Africa or into some other place to be able to get back into the Premier League. You should not be able to have another go. Players can't sign at two Premier League clubs in one season. I think the, it's fair to say. And I'm just But dis- you're talking about Roy Hodgson and the fact that he's been uh, sacked by Liverpool uh, and picked up a job within weeks at West Bromwich Albion, who sacked uh, Roberto Di Matteo. Now, for me... Look, Uncle Roy, it's a perfect club for him. They're not expected to win anything. They're only expected to just avoid relegation. Players will love him because they're not expected to, to win anything either. So mediocrity is fantastic for him. He'll get them into UEFA. You watch. <laughs> He'll do a Fulham. But as a general principle, Carlos, it's about teams that lack imagination. They lack excitement. And they get so paranoid about not losing what they've got. Roberto Di Matteo was doing a fantastic t- job at West Brom, playing exciting football, and gets the chop after losing a few games. So it's said, but... It's just a backwards move, I think. I like uh, this, the uh, employment of Uncle Roy again in the team he needed to be in the first place. Thanks very much, Warren. Nice little EPL wrap there. Coming up, legends who want out of Brazilian football. Vinny will tell us all about it. So stay tuned across Australia. This is the Four Diego's. Triple M. Taste the Melbourne victory. Get on board the Central Coast Mariners. For Hyundai A-League fan made. Get behind your local club. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. Vinny, there's no fun in Brazilian football for a couple of legends. Yes, Carlos. Look, last week I had a crack at the Germans for getting their fax technology all wrong and uh, ruining Mozzi's career. I'm going to have a crack at Brazil. Uh, I think they've gone one step over too far. You don't you don't take a great, like, fat boy fat, a.k.a. El, El Gordo, a.k.a. El Phenomenal, a.k.a. El Gap Tooth one, a.k.a. Ronaldo. <laughs> Oi. Or uh, the special left-sided one, a.k.a. Mr. Downtown, a.k.a. Robbie Charlie, a.k.a. Roberto Carlos. And make them regret coming home to Brazil, which is exactly what's happened. Corinthian fans are angry. They're upset. They're uh, throwing rocks. They're uh, graffitiing walls. They're abusing. There are phone calls. Players' cars are getting damaged. Corinthian fans are acting like they're Lazio fans, <laughs> all because of their uh, Libertadores Cup um, exit. And they've targeted uh, Robbie, Robbie Charlie and um, Fatboy Fat. Yeah, but Roberto Carlos uh, didn't play in that game. And he didn't play in that game, Carlos. He apparently declared he was injured, but uh, apparently the Corinthian fans don't uh, regard that pulling a love handle is an injury. In fact, an injury. And the, and the fact they're coming home when they're in wheelchairs doesn't really endear them to the fans. They've got to come back in their prime, Vinny. Yeah, well, that's fair enough, too. But uh, he's a legend. A legend is a legend, uh, Warren. But uh, club president Andre uh, Sanchez said of Roberto Carlos, we gave him all our assurances for his safety here at Corinthians. He's got a handgun. We called Japan, got him a showgun. We even got him a force field. But he's already uh, received a good offer from a board, and now he's decided to go. So he's gone to Russia. As of yesterday, he's gone for $6 million, uh, euros to uh, Anzi Machakala. 
<laughs> Which further confirms my my theory that all Russian teams sound like a, someone's first name and surname. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Vinny, for that update on Ronaldo and uh, Roberto Carlos. We'll see whether they have much joy in Russia there. Coming up, Vinny tells us about the love for Pep in Barcelona. So stay tuned across Australia. This is the Four Diego's. Triple M. Feel the Melbourne heart. Soar with the Newcastle Jets. For Hyundai A-League. Fan made. Go to aleague.com.au for tickets. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. And you can join us right here every week for your dose of world footy Diego style. Coming up, Warren wants an MCG in the Premier League. But first, Vinny, what's the latest global news? Oh, good news, Carlos. Uh, Barcelona's own version of Ange Postacoglu, uh, <laughs> Pep Guardiola. <laughs> <laughs> has extended his contract for another year at Barca. He, he's playing a bit hard to get. He only had his contract was meant to expire this year, but he's extended for another year. So he's doing one year at a time. He likes the rolling one year contracts. I'm not sure what that means. Whether he's just looking for an escape route just in case they turn on him because they do turn on you in in, uh, in Spain. Yes, but the look, he's, he's he's signed again, so they're loving him at the moment. Even though they drew uh, last night to a uh, Sporting Gijon. Wasn't that a tragedy? I like records. I like when records get smashed by great sides. They, they need something to, uh, to leave behind. The, yeah, absolutely. Now, the question with Pep, I reckon, is uh, given the, the brand that Barca play, where would he go should, they, should he leave? I reckon he needs to go, Vinny, because then the debate as to whether it's just the players or the coach will finally be decided. Let's, he should have gone to West Brom. That would have been the I'm place thinking, for I'm him. thinking Stoke City. And I'm thinking he should only be managing Stoke City on a Wednesday night when it's a cold night. Because I think that's the ultimate test. Don't give me you know, the Iniestas, the Messis, the, you know, those great players, the, the PKs and stuff. Give me, you know, the, the Kenwyn Jones. You know, the big target man up front. Shawcross. Yeah, Shawcross and these guys. And the lap, the guy who throws the ball a million miles. Give me those players and turn them into Barcelona and I'll uh, respect you there. You're destroying a fairy tale, Carlos. <laughs> it's a beautiful story of homegrown talent and, and nurturing. And you just want to destroy that all for the for your own gain. No, I... no, no, keep that going. Keep that going. Bring Jose Mourinho to do all that. But I'm saying, you know, if you want to test yourself as an individual, Pep Guardiola or Pep Postacoglu, which yes. I'm calling him, um, get over there and test yourself in those pub leagues. Yeah, the pub leagues. Yes, and uh, look, speaking of beautiful fairy tales and they love me, they love me not, they still love me even though I'm not there. The special one, Jose <laughs> Mourinho, which you just mentioned, he won the uh, 2010 Panquina d'Oro, which means the, uh, the Golden Bench, which is the award for <laughs> the manager of the year in uh, Italy uh, this week. And uh, he sort of snubbed uh, the, the, the gala event. He didn't show up for the uh, Golden Bench, which was a bit dodgy, but just shows that he, he still lingers there, you know, as, as a dementor over that environment. What's Italian for golden car seat, sponsored car seat? <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. The, the beautiful thing about the Panchina d'Oro, the golden uh, bench, is that there's also a silver bench for Sadia B and there's a bronze bench for, for uh, Sadia Chi and so on and so forth. And it uh, actually goes down to uh, Panchina del Dung Beetle. <laughs> and, uh, but they're, apparently they're renaming that one to the Panchina del Rafa. Okay. Ah. I was just wondering hey. what, what punkina do they award for the you know the coaches they chase out of town? Well, like, that's the uh, one. Okay, I'm just glad it's a golden bench because I thought if it was a golden bed, that's what Wayne Rooney's been practicing <laughs> on, Carlos. <laughs> Thanks, Vinny. Coming up, it's Warren Stadium, Warren in the EPL. So stay tuned across Australia. This is the Four Diego's. Triple M. With the Wellington Phoenix. Get Gold Coast United. For Hyundai A League fan made. Get behind your local club. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. Warren, incredibly, you want an MCG in the EPL. 
Not the MCG, Carlos, <laughs> the equivalent. I don't understand the Poms. They've got Wembley with 80,000 people that they hardly ever use except for meaningless friendlies against nobody. And they're going to have a team in the championship in 2011 playing it to the Olympic Stadium. I reckon it's time to have the situation where the biggest game of the weekend is played at the biggest venue. That is the most ridiculous comment I've ever heard. <laughs> Absolutely stupid. I, I'm not even going to be polite about the whole thing. A neutral venue for big games in England? You move your Liverpool games away from Anfield. Only the you big... tell the cop that we're going to move you to Wembley because you're playing Manchester United. Only the biggest games, Carlos. And you, who are a lover of the championship playoffs, don't tell me they're not better games when the fans go to the neutral venue to qualify... For the next season, that is the They're final. The best games that of the is the year. final, Warren. That is not, uh, you know, the bread and butter week to week, blood and guts, you know, games, the rivalries, Manchester derbies, which are the big games, uh, Liverpool worth worth of Manchester United. Uh, you know, you can't be moving those games. Carlos, maybe they need to go to those stadiums for those six point games, not the three point games, <laughs> but the one that's worth six points. Next thing you'll want to move the Boxing Day test uh, in place of a Merseyside derby. That's what you'll be doing, Warren. Carlos, you're being silly now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Warren. Coming up, it's a special soft sombrero moment with Aussie football legend Ned Zalek. So stay tuned. Across Australia, this is the Four Diego's. Triple M. Get with Sydney FC for Hyundai A-League. Fan made. Go to aleague.com.au for tickets. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. If you want to get in touch with the Diego's, drop us a line at diego's at 4diego's.com. That is F-O-U-R-D-I-E-G-O-S.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash 4diego's. Coming up, Pablo gives us the latest A-League transfer news. But first, joining us is one of the greatest players this country's ever produced. Please, a big 4diego's welcome to Australian football legend, Ned Zalich. Thanks for joining us, Ned. Thanks for having me. Good on you, mate. I'm Carlos Alberto Diego. I'll kick off the first question. You've played at the highest level all around the world. Germany, England, France, Austria, Japan, Holland and Georgia at last count. You've played at all levels for Australia. You've even played in a world all-star team uh, many years ago. You've won the Bundesliga titles. You've played in Champions League. Is there anything from a personal playing point of view that you've not achieved? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, missing out on the World Cup was uh, a major disappointment for me. But uh, I guess that's just the way things are in sport. You've, you've got to sometimes uh, not get too greedy. And uh, I'm, I'm ha- looking back on my career, obviously, I'm happy with uh, um, with the achievements. I mean, obviously, there were times as well where a few phases, injury problems and all the rest. But that's all part of sport. Uh, but all in all, I'm, I'm happy with how things progressed. Now, Ned, you've basically been on a Contiki tour of countries throughout <laughs> Europe. I'm just wondering, from a ter- in terms of your style of play, which country did you enjoy playing in the most with regards to the, the way the game's played in those countries? Yeah. Well, I think to start with, Germany was definitely uh, uh, suited my style of play. Um, it, but in saying that, it was a very physical league when I, when I turned up there. But... Um, just the fact that I had a coach there as well who wanted to play an attractive style of football, and that obviously, obviously meant a lot. I mean, you can't really single out countries. I mean, you might get a coach who has a different sort of style, but definitely there, um, my club, uh, Dortmund in Germany, was, uh, was suited my play more or less down to the ground. I was also in France. I mean, before injuries hit, I was really enjoying myself there, the style that was played there, and, and Japan as well. 
Ned Vinny Venezuela here. Um, I noticed at the Asian Cup, a lot of the Japanese, Japan players are going to the Bundesliga these days. And, uh, you know, we've got a few Australians there. Is that a league that uh, more Australian players should look at? Oh, yes, without a doubt. It's a very attractive league. And uh, I think they have the highest average um, attendances uh, right now in, in Europe. So... They're all very financially stable, the clubs. The Bundesliga has really come on in leaps and bounds. I mean, especially after that 2006 World Cup, they've, you know, fixed up all of their stadiums. It's, they make, they turn it into a real event. I mean, every game. So, um, it's definitely a, an attractive place to go. But, uh, in saying that, uh, the Germans have really put a lot into their own junior development. So, uh, to come over there, let's say as a youngster, it's um, it's very difficult to get your foot in the door because there's just so much talent coming through. Now, Ned, it's Pablo here. Let's get down to Tin Tax. <laughs> everyone talks about Harry. Everyone talks about Tim Cahill. Uh, but on paper, you're arguably Australia's greatest ever player. There's never any humility on the Diego's, Ned. <laughs> Tell it like it is. Does the title of Australia's greatest ever player sit well with you? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, for me personally, um, it's always going to be uh, Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka. I mean, obviously, Timmy Cahill now is, um, has really come along as a player and is a real character as well. So I think these from these three, you could take any pick. Here on the Fort Diego's soft sombrero moment, we're speaking to Aussie football legend Ned Zelich. Ned, it's Carlos again. Now, you went over to Germany in the early 90s as an innocent young kid from Canberra and uh, became a football rock star playing in the UEFA Cup final there in your first year and also winning the Bundesliga soon after. Tell us about the trappings of being a football idol in Germany. No doubt there's plenty of sauerkraut, maybe a couple of Heidi Klums that you could tap into there. Uh, did you ever meet Nina, 99 Luftballoons? No, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't. No, but I mean, it, obviously it was always a dream for me as a kid to to go overseas. And uh, um, I mean, I remember back then as well, I, I, I had two or three cracks at it as well. It was like... You know, I had a trial at Leeds United, uh, was overseas trialling at Genoa in Italy as as a 19-year-old and, and places like that. And then eventually it worked out with uh, with Dortmund. So it was a big move back then for me. And, and luckily enough, I mean, I was never the type of player. I mean, obviously history will, uh, will come out and, and speak facts as well. Uh, sitting on the bench was not for me and... Uh, um, I was lucky enough to, when I got to Dortmund, I only spent, I think, a few weeks. I came there directly after the Barcelona Olympics, spent a few weeks on the bench, and I was already getting frustrated, you know. <laughs> and uh, luckily enough, after that, um, a player uh, was injured for a couple of weeks or something, and that was my chance to, to get in and, and pretty much stayed in the team after that, you know. So, um, And that's what made it a lot easier for me. I mean, I'd, I'd always loved being in Australia and living here, but uh, when you go overseas, it, everything really does have to fall into place. And the fact that I was playing and my mind was occupied made things a lot easier. Now, Ned, in 1996, you played in the, in the FIFA All-Stars game. Now, I'm just wondering how you approached that game with the likes of Klinsman, Weyer, Matthias and Janola. Do you go into the change rooms and say, <laughs> hello, sir? And did you actually find that they might have known you? What sort of experience was that game? No, the, fun, the funny thing was they were all fantastic guys. I mean... Um, and there was there was massive uh, media there from Germany as well for that game because uh, Klinsmann and Matthias were both at the game, and at that time um, there was a real 
hate between these two. So there was a lot of German press following what was going on between them. But I remember yeah, just the night before, um, myself, Lothar Mateus, and, and another player from Bulgaria, uh, national team player Krasimir Belikov, we just hit the town. You know, we went out, <laughs> went out into the city, into New York, had a few drinks. You know, in the restaurant, and uh, but they were a great bunch of lads. You know, I remember uh, Janola as well was uh, was a fantastic guy, and uh, uh, Bidi Pelé, George Ware was there as well. So it was a real uh, massive, massive cast of football quality. And uh, really enjoyable experience. They need. Uh, they say. I reckon that uh, David Janola did pretty well off the field too, mate. Did you hang out with him at the disco in New York? <laughs> no, no, we didn't have time. The funny thing was, I, w- I wanted to stay after the game, stay the night. You know, like I turned up there it was supposed to be a three day thing, and I just signed for Roxia. And uh, my coach back then, Guy Rue, said, there's no chance that I'm going to let you stay overnight after the game in New York. <laughs> and my club actually put me on a flight straight after the game, back, back to the training camp in Switzerland where we were. So I couldn't, I couldn't uh, spend any more time there with the lads. Now, Ned, what I want to know is, uh, did uh, George Weyer offer you a position in his ministry? Should he ever get up uh, in <laughs> politics in Liberia? Has he offered you a portfolio? <laughs> Not back then, no. <laughs> he didn't know who I was back then, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> now, uh, Ned, uh, to many, uh, you remember for the incredible angle goal you scored uh, for the Olly Roos versus Holland to get Australia to the 92 Barcelona Olympics. Uh, what people forget is that you scored Australia's other goal that day, and that was perhaps better. The Dutch had some future world stars in their team, but Diego's reckon you were the best player of field that day. What are your memories of that game? Uh, just, just how everything fell into place. It was just uh, the most remarkable, uh, you know, 24 hours uh, for me. I mean, the fact that we qualified, obviously, that was first and foremost, you know, um, to get to the Olympics against, you know, uh, people that touted the Dutch uh, to be the big gold medal favourite, you know, if they if they got there. And to knock them out was fantastic for us. But everything fell into place. I mean, like I said, I, I, uh, we got to the Olympics. I ended up uh, signing for a club as well. I mean, there were a lot of scouts there that day. Um, but there's a funny story behind it as well because uh, there were actually Manchester United scouts there that day and they were uh, tracking the Dutch captain, Arthur Newman. And um, the thing is, they had actually booked a flight because they thought this game was going to be over in 90 minutes. You know? <laughs> they booked a flight to go back to Manchester after those 90 minutes. And so they were gone and then we had the extra time, obviously, and uh, the Dutch captain did fairly well in that extra time and the agent that was trying to fix all this up that told me the story had spoken to Ferguson and shipped him off this tape and basically said look uh, can I show you the 30 minutes from Newman because he actually did well you know so he had a look at the tape Ferguson and came back to him and said no I want the number four the captain from Australia (laughs) but it was too late I'd already signed for Dortmund and the thing is even if he if I wanted to I couldn't have gone anyway because I would have had work permit issues the fact that I just didn't have enough caps, so, but it was a, it was a funny story. It's not very funny when you don't get picked up by a man you like that, mate. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, like I said, I, even if he wanted me and I and I didn't sign for Dortmund, I still couldn't have gone because of work permit issues. I had I had the issues when I was at Leeds. You know, I was there trialling as a nineteen year old, and I remember singing singing in Canberra, um, and the receiving mail from Leeds, it was, this was after the trial, it was a contract, you know, I looked at the numbers and all the rest and freaked out <laughs> and said, oh, that's it, I'm going, but couldn't get a work permit. Mm. And so then, uh, a year later, I had a call from Sooners from Liverpool 
uh, basically saying, look, I want you over here at Liverpool to try with us for two weeks. I said, Mr. Soonis, I'm honoured, thanks very much, but I've had work permit issues and I'm just wasting your time if I come over there. Mm. So, Ned, if you're in a room with Sir Alex Ferguson, can you just go up and say, I'm that number four from Australia? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he's going to remember the number four, yeah. (laughs) But who knows? I mean, with Alex Ferguson, the wily character, he's he's, uh, pretty clued in. Now, Ned, we saw you in all your glory in the Pass Socceroos game last night against the uh, police before the Melbourne Heart game. It did strike me in seeing you with Danny Tiado and also Mark Viduka and John Markotsky and, and also Josip Skoko and John Aloisi retiring last night. There's a real sense of your generation of Socceroos coming back to Australia. That's got to be good for the game in this country, wouldn't you say, with regards to getting involved in coaching and also passing on your expertise and also the ability for you guys to catch up being in the one country after being all over the world for such a long period of time. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, seeing all the boys, um, especially, you know, even the, the, the former legends, I mean, the Davidsons, the Olvers that we played with as well uh, yesterday in this game, just fantastic being involved with these guys as well, and, and especially the boys that, uh, you know, I grew up with basically, you know, from the junior youth ranks all up to the Olympic Socceroos guys like, you know, Johnny Markovsky, Steve Horvath, uh, Danny Tiara as well, and it was great seeing Dukes after the game, and uh, I really hope he can get himself involved and do something, because uh, someone that's achieved what he has in football... Uh, would love to see him uh, stay stay in the game. So, Ned, as a young player, who was your sort of who was the soccerer that you really sort of held in high regard? Uh, yeah, well, it kind of varied for me. I mean, I was always, uh, uh, especially after that free kick against uh, Argentina, Charlie Yankos, you know, yeah. became a bit of a legend for me. You know, so I was I was pretty much really a, a Charlie Yankos fan back then. Now, Ned, uh, of course, you played 34 times for the Socceroos, and uh, and in many ways, people remember not only your good play, but also the blow-up you had with Frank Farina and the Cold War with uh, Paul Ocon that probably probably led to your retirement at the time. Does does this? I mean, how, do you, how does that sit with you these days? Uh, is it still a sour, you know, taste in the mouth, or you've got over it and moved on? Or you, you know, do you talk to the guys, or you know, where is it with you now? Uh, to be honest with you, I just. Uh moved on directly after I made that decision sort of thing. I mean, uh, the biggest disappointment was me was the fa- for me was the fact that uh, I just loved playing for the Socceroos that much, you know, and, and made so many sacrifices to come out and play, even, you know, in Dortmund when I was being told by coach, manager and all the rest, don't go, you know, all the rest. I still went, you know. So I just really missed wearing the green and gold, but I made a decision back then because it was like, for me it was just unacceptable, you know. I mean... I'd made all the sacrifices and I'd been through situations where I'm playing with the Socceroos, come back to my club and have to fight for my position for weeks to get it back. So for me, it was unacceptable to, you know, to be in Melbourne that day when it happened and to be told, you know, you've travelled out all this way to sit on the bench. I mean, Mm. you know, for me, it was just uh, um, never going to happen. And that was pretty much the reason why I retired. Now, Ned, you've uh, you've played for many clubs. Uh, one of them was uh, the curiously named FC Wacker Tyrol in uh, Austria. Now, uh, do our, did uh, any of your teammates have any idea what that term Wacker means in Australia? And, and did you actually uh, inform them what it was or perhaps try and get the name changed? 
I actually, I actually told them. Yeah, I told them. <laughs> and, uh, we had a good chuckle in the change rooms. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, but changing the name was never was never going to be an option for them. No, it would have would have been a shame, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Ned, I want to ask you a, a, another Socceroo question. I've loved I loved you on on the the commentary panels and the the special you know at SBS at the first World Cup. I remember you late at night and you're almost sliding off the, that <laughs> land chair. I thought. Uh, don't put him on a leather chair. He just it doesn't stick to it. And then, but you've you know you've grown with sophistication into the role. I want, how do you see the the Socceroos in terms of the last World Cup and their Asian Cup campaign? That, that's my big question for you right now. Well, I was I was really impressed with uh, with the boys um, you know, at this uh, recent Asian Cup campaign. I thought I thought they did extremely well. Um, and uh, the World Cup as well. I mean, obviously, it was just. You know, and I said it as well um, after that game that this one could come back and bite us in the you-know-what. I mean, losing um, with that margin against Germany, it was just uncalled for, you know. I just felt that there were just too many errors made that day with selections and all the rest. But we picked up after that, did really well with 10 men against Ghana, you know, beat Serbia, who's a very respected footballing country in Europe. Um, And now I think the big test is, you know, who, who can we count on uh, looking towards this uh, qualification series for Brazil? So um, with a lot of players, you know, uh, over 30. So that'll be the real test now. Ned, we talked uh, earlier about uh, you being in the zone that day against the Dutch. How do you think you would have gone in PIM system? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I, I, I really... Uh, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to say um, uh, how I would have gone in his system. I mean, obviously, um, he had you know, his way of playing defensive kind of way and uh, um, everyone had pretty much a role to fulfil. Um, but, I mean, me as a player, I was just someone who liked to kind of, uh, at times, you know, uh, take the game by the scruff of the neck. And if that meant, you know, being out left somewhere or out right somewhere to, to get the ball, and that was it, you know. So, But, you know, that was just his style of coaching and uh, you have to respect that. Now, Ned, over the course of the interview, you've given us some insights into the um, the wonderful world of football. A career over 20 years, you must have some reasonably funny stories, particularly <laughs> with regards to the transfer market and getting wooed by foreign clubs and perhaps even some of the incentives that you may have been offered to actually go from one club to another. Well, what do you just want to hear now? <laughs> <laughs> just, just your funniest one. If you're doing a sort of a, a chat to people or friends or even at a party and they just ask you this question, what's the funniest story in your, in your negotiations with some of these clubs all around the world? What would it be? Oh, jeez. I'd, I'd have to have a think about that. Um, what was it like dealing with the Italians, for example? I know you never played with an Italian club, but uh, you were close to it sometimes. Well, well, yeah, that's right. Well, I was in the... I forgot about that one. Yeah, I was in... <laughs> I was actually in Lecce. That's right. Um, uh, the funny thing is, I was in Oxea, and I was told that we've got an offer on the table. All you got to do is come over here and sign, you know. And um, I had that sort of a situation before as a 19-year-old, where I went over to Anderlecht, who told me the same thing. And I got to the airport, and it's like you got your boots here. You got to train a bit, you know. <laughs> so anyway, with Lecce, I was I flew over there. And um, arrived and straight away had a press conference. You know, everyone was there, Gazette della Sport, Corriere, and everyone was there, 20 journalists. And uh, they were asking me about, you know, 
how I feel about Lecce and all the rest. So here I am talking like I'm, you know, a player of Lecce. And then the next day, um, I'm told that I have to train with a team and I still have to sign a contract. And it's like, guys, it doesn't work that way. I thought I'm here to sign a contract and then I put my boots on, no problems, you know. Hmm. And then it's like, no, nah, no, nah, but uh, just train a few times. It's no problem, you know. <laughs> and I was at the stadium and I said, look, forget it. Uh, got my bag, turned around and walked out. So, And in the meantime, these guys, they're all freaking out, you know, talking to each other. This and that, where's he going? I just walked straight out, straight out to the street. And then there's some kid uh, driving past on a little little moped. And I've just, you uh, he, he, he recognized me because there was photos of me in the paper that day, you know, and he's like, oh, I speak a little English, you know, you're Zelic, uh, it's good, Lecce's a great club, all the rest. And I'm like, which, are you going that way, mate? <laughs> That's where my hotel is, can you give me a lift? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. <laughs> he's giving me a lift back to the hotel, I packed my bags and I was out of there. The funny thing is, I, I, I took a flight because I had to get back to Paris um, so I've taken a flight from uh, Brindisi in Italy that went to Rome and then from Rome connecting to Paris. And I've got to Rome and I'm going through the customs area there and there's like two guys shouting my name out, you know, aloud. <laughs> Zelich, Zelich. I'm like, what's going on here? They must have got in touch with them. And I just walk straight through. I just head down and see you later. <laughs> Magnificent. There's a book there, there I'm sure, mate. Uh, just one last one before I let you go, mate. On signing you in 1995, QPR manager Ray Wilkins, we all know him as the assistant to Ancelotti and uh, who just left Chelsea so suddenly just recently. He described you as being as versatile as an egg uh, when he signed you. Now, we're not sure about uh, you, but the Diego's for, for the Diego's, it was a bit of a sign that things were going to go well for you at QPR and it didn't. No, no, it was just, it was just, uh, and it's advice I always give to youngsters. Now, if you're not 100% convinced about something, then don't go through with it. I remember being uh, in Germany. I was actually waiting for the work permit process to go through. I wasn't actually allowed to be in the country while the work permit was getting processed. So I kept training with Dortmund, and it took about three weeks. Every morning I was waking up for these three weeks, and I'm thinking, Oh, is, am I doing the right thing here? Should, am I, is it the right decision to go to QPR to leave Dortmund? And, you know, I just wasn't 100% convinced and I went through with it. And there you go. I mean, I knew after three or four days that I'd, I'd, I'd made a mistake. I just wasn't happy there, full stop. Is that something that you would have liked to have maybe investigated further playing in England? Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially with the way the game has come along now with all these foreign coaches coming in and. And, uh, I mean, I remember back then, uh, my debut was against, uh, Wimbledon and uh, coming up against <laughs> Vinnie Jones. It wasn't fun, you know? <laughs> uh, it was, I uh, came on last 15 minutes. I think I touched the ball twice with my foot and then flicked it on about 25 times with my head, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was a different style of play back then. But, I mean, obviously, you can't compare it with the English league today. It's, very attractive uh, style of play and uh, with the foreign coaches. Well, Ned, it's uh, been a great pleasure speaking to you, mate. So thanks for joining us today. You've got a magnificent career. I'm sure if we give you a little bit more notice as far as your funny stories are concerned, you could probably put a book, book together. Oh, yeah, and we'd sure. love to love to get oh, you yeah. on again at some stage down the track. No worries. Good on you, mate. That was a special soft sombrero moment with Aussie football legend Ned Zelich. Don't forget, check out our extended interview with Ned at 40agos.com. Next up, it's Pablo, hot off the press with some great transfer talk in the A-League, so stay tuned. Across Australia, this is the 40 Agos. Arriba! Triple M. 
Feel North Queensland's fury. Get Adelaide United for Hyundai A-League. Fan made. Go to a-league.com.au for tickets. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. Welcome back. This is the 4 Diego's Across Australia. You're with Carlos, Vinny, Pablo and Warren. Pablo, what's the hot-off-the-press Aussie transfer news? Thank you very much, Carlos. Yes, I don't know what you'd accept as payment for playing football, but uh, Michael Owen, formerly of the EPL, apparently, may be coming to Australia to play for Newcastle Jets, and he's been offered a racehorse as well as some cash. <laughs> no, he won't be standing at stud, Pablo. He's not going to stand at stud. Nathan Tinkler, of course, who owns the Newcastle Jets, is also the owner of Patnack Farm. He owns thousands of horses, and he's going to give Michael a little bit of a, a shoe-in because Michael uh. himself owns some racehorses over in, in Liverpool where he lives. So it just seems the perfect fit. You know, play on Saturday night, go to go to the races Saturday afternoon, play Saturday <laughs> night. It'll be perfect for Michael. Is there any talk of Megan Gale as a sweetener as well? <laughs> He won't come to Australia, Michael Owen. I know he's good mates with Robbie Fowler, but there's no way he'll come to Australia to play in the A-League. The British press did find it quite amusing because the description was the once prolific goal scorer, <laughs> Michael Owen, which is both accurate and comical. Of course, Warren, last night we uh, hobnobbed there at Amy Park and we watched uh, Melbourne Heart versus Sydney FC and you heard a magnificent little rumour. Yeah, speaking about horses, Carlos, in the whispers of the back rooms of Melbourne Heart, there was some talk that Melbourne Heart were going after Horsehead. Not Horsehead. <laughs> Rude Van Nistelrooy. Rude Van Nistelrooy, but the only little speed bump in this whole thing is his people said, we're not interested. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with Horsehead, he'll only play for free for Real Madrid. Everyone else he wants, you know, big spondulies. So there you go. He of, might course, not be of course, there's news, uh, Pablo, of Frank Farina moving on and uh, continuing his coaching career outside Australia. Apparently, he's going to take on a team in Papua New Guinea. Okay. So he's spreading his career north. Yep. And, uh, well, that should be very interesting for the Papua New Guineans. It's a pretty wild place, PNG. And uh, I'm just wondering if they're going to organise a compound within the foreigners' compound <laughs> to protect the other foreigners from Frank Farina. Well, he's a, he's a legend of the game. Let's hope he can uh, resurrect his career as a coach uh, wherever he uh, wants to go. Obviously, uh, he'll probably be coaching in the O-League very soon, the Oceania uh, competition. It's not far to get around, so he should be able to walk okay, Carlos. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks very much, Pablo Cruz. Magnificent A-League transfer update. Thanks very much, Vinny Venezuela. Thanks, Warren Diego. I'm Carlos Alberto Diego. Remember, for your dose of world footy, tune into the Four Diego's right here every week. If you want to contact us, drop us a line at diegos at fordiegos.com. That's F-O-U-R-D. Iegos.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash 4 Diegos. And you can check out our magnificent podcast at 4 Diegos.com, especially our extended interview with Ned Zellich. So remember, Vinny, remember Puerto Rican girls, hang out. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever you samba, rumba, and la bumba, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever there's girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever Green Goes play football, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. We are the Diegos. Olé. Olé. Triple M.